We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. Uh, I will be your host tonight, which is a little bit weird. It is uh, just me from the from the crew tonight. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, my name's Dan Sanio at FF Dynasty Dan on Twitter. Um, I guess I could say, as always, I'm here, but that's not not, not ever the case. Unfortunately, Nathan's on vacation. We're still without Eric, but he uh, hopefully will be back sometime soon nathan i'm sure we'll get lost in nashville someplace but we weren't just going to have me talk to the wall for an hour so we decided to bring in a, a guest before hasn't been on in a while but we went down into the well got ourselves a superstar folks please welcome mr nick whalen nick what's going on oh, man i don't think i'm that good i think i'm more like a like a minor league reliever you, you know <laughs> like i guess i'll call this double a guy He's good again. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Lefties, you know, like something like that. That's what I am. Okay, a little bullpen act. I like it. I I, I can't uh, can't hate on that at all. Make sure you're following Nick on Twitter. That's underscore or at underscore Nick Whalen. You can find his stuff uh, on Fanium.com. That's the Debbie Report. All of his stuff. Uh, absolutely awesome. Nick, how's Fanium going for you? Uh, great so far. Uh, it's it was sad to leave DTC. You know, I I love Izzy and JP and uh, Mo, but um, you know, Fanium just. It's really exciting over there. Every everyone coming together, and it's a, a big team. It's growing, and 
uh, just, uh, I'm excited for people to start following on and, and see where it goes. So, uh, yeah, I kind of, you know, hitched a board and we're just taking off, man. Very, very cool. I'm happy for you. Uh, another congratulations. That's a big move. That's very, very cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate uh, it. And I'm sure, I'm sure Izzy and, and JP will be just fine. Um, we can, <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't have to dive in JP. I know you're listening, buddy. Come at me. <laughs> Come uh, at okay. Me. So, <laughs> little little twitter if you know uh, we, we love those guys uh so tonight we're gonna do a little bit of news and notes uh so just talking about the the latest things in the football world uh a week into free agency so obviously last week we hit on most of the really big stuff that happened but there's a few things that happened right after uh, last week's episode so in, in some of these cases we may be a little bit late to the punch but we're going to cover them nonetheless and then we are going to finish with a little addition of Rookie or the Vet. Unfortunately, you won't get any of Nathan's wonderful singing unless it gets added after the edit, which it could happen. So we'll do Rookie or the Vet with uh, some NFL Combine risers. So guys that maybe gained value from a good showing at the Combine, and then we'll match them up against a current NFL player and see where those values are. We'll talk about somebody on each side, maybe just the rookies. Who knows how it's going to go? But before we dive in, we want to... Uh, Talk to, you, talk to you about uh, one of our sponsors. That's my bookie. And this is the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And it's the greatest betting event of the year, honestly. I mean, who doesn't fill out a bracket? So, like I said, whether you're going to be filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or everything, my bookie is the perfect spot for your March Madness fun. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to just consistently give you the best customer service around. And honestly, if you've ever interacted with them, they're right up there. Uh, the best part is they pay out fast, like within a day or two. That's that's kind of unheard of for some of these for some of these gambling sites. So definitely want to stick with my bookie. You bet with the best, kick back and uh, enjoy yourself some March Madness, and make sure that uh, if you are going to sign up to and deposit with my bookie, you're going to get that that fifty percent sign and uh, sign up bonus. But also make sure that you're telling your friends because you get a 100% referral bonus. So go with my bookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Uh, all right, let's dive into some news and notes. So we will start with, um, well, we're not going to go negative right away. Let's start with let's start with Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. So obviously former Pittsburgh Steelers superstar, uh, perennial RB1 in fantasy football. Yes, there's some off-the-field concerns, some injury concerns, you know, there's kind of a little bit of everything surrounding Le'Veon. But Nick, how do we feel about this landing spot and his potential uh, for the upcoming years here in Dynasty? Yeah, it was a, a big. Uh, I mean, he, he was just keeping everybody on the internet. You know, until late night, every night it was going to happen Friday. Then it happened Friday. I mean, my goodness, Le'Veon Bell, we have lives too, okay? And and you <laughs> wanted to just us to, to hear about your news so bad that you took away our time but um you know really I, I if you think about the year off i know financially is probably bad but he his efi efficiency went down dan he went down to four yards per carry he was like 4.8 4.9 for most of his career and maybe a year out after that 400 plus touch season which is a big issue maybe his body rested up he got more fresh just you know overall i know there was the he ballooned up uh, rumors, but I saw some videos and it looked like he was, you know, slimmed down again, or maybe he was never 260. But, you know, with the Jets, 
Darnold needs somebody. There's no superstars there. He's going to get tons of carries, tons of receptions there. He's going to be the man. So maybe he won't be as efficient as he was in Pittsburgh. I get that. But with running backs and fantasy football, it's all about touches and catches. He's going to get those. He got paid and they're going to use him. Yeah, it's it's tough to argue with any of that. And, and speaking of ton, a ton of touches, we're talking about like 1,500 touches so far in his NFL career uh, and just shy of four total seasons. That's, that's a lot of touches. Uh, but he's basically shown that he can do it. And yes, like you said, he was maybe a little bit worn down. Um, the efficiency dropped off just a touch, but yeah, when you go, when you have four or 1500 touches on your body and in, in, in that short of a time frame, you're, you're going to feel it. You're going to be exhausted. Um, that's yeah, that's crazy. And I, I think the one, maybe the one thing that worries me just a little bit is the Adam Gase offense. Now it, it could be that maybe it was a Miami thing. Maybe they didn't have the players that, you know, obviously Kenyon Drake and, and 72 year old Frank Gore uh, <laughs> aren't going to be, aren't going to be exactly what Le'Veon Bell is, but that offense and that running game never really seemed to catch on. So let's hope that maybe the, the new scenery gets Gase and Le'Veon Bell on the, on the same, on the same wavelengths here, because it would be fun to see Le'Veon kind of get back into that RB one status um, now, I don't think he'll ever be a top RB1. Uh, I, I don't think even – definitely not value-wise, but I'm not sure that point-wise he's going to get back up there. Uh, I still think Gase probably uses a, another body. Obviously, they paid him. They're going to use him a ton. But I still think that they spell him a little bit here and there with whether it's Elijah McGuire or they draft somebody or Trenton Cannon or one of these guys that they kind of ha- held on to for cheap. And there's always the the potential for injury – uh, as we as we know with Le'Veon, who's technically played five seasons, but only has about four seasons worth under his belt. So, um, you got anything else on Le'Veon, or or we should we move on here? No, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think, and, and I'd be curious to see what, what you think here. I think he's, as you were saying, mid RB one to high RB two. I think that's about where his range is going to be. I don't see him ever being the top guy again, or or probably even in that top five. So he's probably looking at. Six seven all the way to maybe like I don't know fourteen. Yeah, I think I think that uh, that ten to twelve spot for me is probably going to be probably going to be that that soft spot, probably where he's going to fit in nicely. Now, obviously, the potential's there, the ceiling is there because we've seen him do it so many times. But this isn't Pittsburgh. That's not this isn't that offense. Uh, yes, Sam Darnold still young, still learning, still growing, and Le'Veon should help him, but. They haven't really surrounded the, anybody in that offense with a ton of of you know quality receivers or um, you know that that line is mediocre, uh, maybe just above average. Um, so you know we have we have building blocks, and I think they start to build a little bit more around Le'Veon. I'm sure they bring in uh, a wide receiver or maybe two in this draft class. That's that's a little bit wide receiver heavy. Yes, they still have Robbie Anderson, and yes, they still. Or they just brought in Jamison Crowder for that slot spot. Rest in peace, Quincy Anunua. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe we see a, a relatively early pick, maybe not first round, maybe more second round. We see them, uh, we see them go after one of these top wide receiver prospects. All right, now we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more negative, a little a little sad. Um, well, not really sad for us because if it happened, then he can go directly to hell. But Tyreek Hill. 
um, got some a couple of police reports. Apparently, one of them he was listed on. One of them he wasn't listed on. Um, sounds like maybe the child within the household uh, broke his arm. It, it that we don't know if it's Tyreek, if it's the significant other, if whatever this is. But this is not a good look for someone with a pretty bad. Uh, even though it was just one time, as far as I'm aware, uh, pretty bad history in the uh, the domestic area. So what does this do for for Tyreek in your eyes? Is this is this hold and don't panic? Is this get out now? Uh, do we see a big decline regardless of whether this news is correct or not? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um if anyone's followed my Twitter, I actually recently traded for Tyreek Hill because I saw a buy window. Um, I think, honestly, it depends on the value. If you have a good offer, I'd take it. And it eliminates the risk. You know, kind of like we were just talking about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell has injury risk, but he also has substance abuse risk. You know, and, and those are the guys I try to avoid. So right now, if you get a good offer for Tyreek and is a player close to him, or package you think that's close to him, I'd take it. If it's, you know, people are just throw lowballing offers, I'd hold. So what I had offered up, Dan, is I gave up DK Metcalf. I gave up uh, Deshaun Jackson. And then I gave up Rodney Anderson. And I was like, you know what? The risk, I think, is about equal there. So I'll take the chance that maybe he it pans out. I mean, Tyreek's a great talent. We know that. He's young. And, and that could provide a buy window for you if people are willing to take that risk. He hasn't been, you know, convicted yet. Uh, LaShawn McCoy last year, remember all of that, all of that stuff going down and nothing happened. So we don't know if it will or won't happen. Uh, but I think that if it makes sense, do the offer. If it doesn't make sense, I just hold. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and any of that news that lingers like that, like with Shady McCoy, all it's going to do is decrease value. So if you are an owner and you're maybe a little bit more optimistic about the potential outcome of this. I would just hold that this would not be a time to sell. Uh, however, if you are worried that this is maybe going the wrong direction and you want to get out, you still need to find something that's in the ballpark of his value, but obviously you're going to take a hit right now. Now's not the time to be trying to get those overpay first round asset type deals going. Like people are looking for with Saquon Barkley, um, Odell Beckham and those types of guys. So I think, I think right now, yeah, I think still is a buy window. I think people are still a little bit uneasy, still a little bit on edge. And, you know, that that type of deal where, yes, we have proven production with still some risk versus basically all risk and an older asset, which, you know, maybe maybe pads a little bit. You insure it, you know, on the other side by guaranteeing a little tiny bit of production. Obviously not really a startable asset in Deshaun Jackson, but it could end up coming down to like a, a you know, maybe a startable week or two, but you did trade away my wide receiver one and RB one. So we might have to have some words about this one, Nick. Oh man. I didn't know you were that high <laughs> on those guys. Oh yeah. I've been DK since day one, like four years ago or so, maybe yeah, it has about four years ago. Uh, and Rodney's a sooner. So I can't really, can't really pass that up with my, with my connections in, in Boomer town. So <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump into another free agent signing. And this one, this one was kind of interesting because you've got the haters and you've got the truthers. Devin Funches to the Indianapolis Colts 
with a glaring wide receiver two hole in that offense. Yes, they are tight end friendly. Yes, Andrew Luck throws it 16,000 times every season. Uh, T.Y. Hilton maybe isn't the most healthy player year in and year out, but he seems to still play through injury. They bring in Devin Funches and still a young guy, still 24, 25, uh, has a little bit of production under his belt with Carolina. Not necessarily a big breakout by any means with Carolina, but he put up some solid numbers and he's still pretty young after transitioning out of tight end to play wide receiver. So it's very, very possible. He's still kind of learning how to play wide receiver. Um, where do you stand on this one? Do you think, obviously it's hard to pick a better spot to go other than maybe like Kansas city, but where do we feel or how are we feeling about Devin Funches to Indy? I mean, first off, like, Wow, how how did he get that much money in free agency? <laughs> you know, that, that's the first thing I, you know, I think everyone noticed was, you know, it, it wasn't like he was coming off of you know his twenty seventeen where he had eight hundred and forty yards and you know eight touchdowns. I mean, last year he had he had forty four for five forty nine and four touchdowns, so it's very lackluster. And then, you know, even even Indianapolis's old boy Dante Moncrief's out there. You know, Lux, Lux guy, you know, the hype train is out there. And they're like, nah, we'll pay Moncrief or we'll pay Funches way more money. But, I mean, I think you have to, if you can get a good deal on Funches, you go for it because the targets are available. You know, yes, there's Jack Doyle. Yes, there's Eric Ebron. Yes, there's T.Y. Hilton. But, you know, I mean, Naheem Hines had a bunch of receptions last year. Is that going to happen this year? Max not a great pass catching back. We don't know how that offense is going to involve. And you had talked about T.Y. Hilton's injuries. I mean, Funches, is he going to be an every week starter for you? No. But if there's an injury that happens, you need a spot starter. He's certainly a guy you want to take a chance on with a quarterback that throws that many touchdowns. This is like that offense, Dan, where it's Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Big Ben, those guys that can really put up a lot of passing yards and points and touchdowns. You just want a piece of that pie. And right now they invested, so he's going to get a piece this year. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's tough to argue against just just the potential volume. You know, we, we talk about about uh, I always talk about Andrew Luck as, you know, his best version is volume luck. And when he's out there throwing it, slinging it 60 times a game, it's the best thing ever for every piece of fantasy, which is what we're here for. I mean, yeah, the actual game is a little bit important, but we're here for the fantasy side of it. So, yes, based on sheer volume, it's really hard to ignore it. T.Y. Hilton's still going to be the one there. I still believe that Ebron and Doyle are probably going to pull something like 90 targets each, maybe a little bit more. And then it kind of uh, kind of in the shadows yet is uh, is unfortunate rookie year injury Dion Kane uh, out of Clemson, who I was really high on. I believe you uh, liked him quite a bit as well. So I, I still think he's got a role in that offense as well. But I think I think Funches, Kane, and Hilton can all coexist relatively fluently. I think the big thing is going to come down to how much more they're using those tight ends. Now, do they stick with both? Uh, I believe Ebron's only under only under guaranteed money or guaranteed contract without any real cap issues for one more season. Uh, and Doyle's contract, I'm not sure. I know he signed another one uh, a couple of years back and then missed most of last year. So. I think I think this one's a little bit messy, but they've got the investment in in Funchess. Um, but Kane's there, man. What what do we what do we think? Do we think he's still going to compete for those targets? 
And, and I'm, I'm with you. Deion Kane was that guy that after the combine, it wasn't as, you know, quote unquote, sexy for people. And so he fell. And I, I loved it. I gobbled him up everywhere that I could. I have I have an owner in one league right now, Dan, that is just every offer has Deion Kane in it. <laughs> and I don't want to sell him. Like, I'm like, no, he's not a throwing for me because he's because I like the talent. I like the offense in the landing spot. Deion Kane, I think, is just good at every area, great at nothing. But I want a guy that's good in so many areas because he's good after the catch. He's good at catch point. He's good at routes. He's a good athlete. Like, that's a guy I like. So I think his buy window, honestly, is after the first couple weeks of the season. If he, I mean, there's some risk involved if he like busts out in camp, but if he doesn't like it blow up early in the season, I would buy. I would knock on those doors, those owners, and then get him for dirt cheap because he could thrive maybe the second half of the year or certainly next year when Funches leaves. Yeah. And I think, I think if you're in a league with, with, um, with somebody who, and you're not a Kane owner and you're not dealing with Nick or myself getting Kane <laughs> as a throw in, in some type of deal and in, in one way, shape or form is a great move right now because all of the focus is still on Devin Funches. No one's really thinking about Dion Kane because of the injury, because of the recent signing, because of Eric Ebron's huge season last season, you know, he's just kind of flying under the radar. So I think, I think if anything, yes, Funches is likely to see a decent amount of volume unless until they finally realize that he's just not all that great. Um, but I think my takeaway here is great buy low window for Deion Kane. And I think we both agree on that. But no, what about, what about this? No, I agree with you. What about this, Dan? Okay. So Eric E. Brown was just like lost in Detroit, right? Like lost goes to Indianapolis and like stud. What if Devin Funches goes to Indianapolis and just blows up and finally realizes his potential? And like, you know, all of those Indianapolis scouts and coaches and, and luck, they're, they're just like the, I don't know, like the free agent whisperers and Funches like busts out. I, I honestly hope for my sake, having to do a podcast of Nathan Powell, one of the biggest Devin Funches truthers I know, I, I hope and pray that that is not the case. Because then I can at least have a party with Scott Fish, who likes Devin Funches about as much as I do, and and we can have a party that way. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to listen to it to the Devin Funches day or party for like a year because that's Nathan holds those grudges. All right, I'm with you then. We'll just yeah, just because Nathan <laughs> likes him, we'll just say no. All right, uh, another one that maybe maybe wasn't super super big news, but. They brought back that is Devontae Parker, um, former uh, first round wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins. He's back in Miami with a rebuilding team uh, and a team with not a whole lot going on on offense. Yes, still have Albert Wilson there. Uh, Kenny Stills is still in town. And man, I just, I, I don't really know what to think of this one, but because of the pedigree that once was, I feel like it's a little bit important to talk about. So let's hear your thoughts on the Devontae Parker re-signing. Why? Why would you go back to a place that you haven't thrived, that hasn't worked out for you? I understand, you know, you know, regime change and you know, Fitz Magic is there now. You know, if he wears <laughs> if he wears Deshaun Jackson's jacket before every game, then I would be hyped with oh. you. All right, let's go. Let's but, go. Get the gold chain and yeah, glasses out. Yeah, it's it's awesome. But I mean, why would you? I mean, change of scenery, change of you know. I know there's new coaches, but I mean, change of ownership. Something different's got to change, Parker. Why did you go back 
to a place that you didn't thrive. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. And after that, after he signed, I I, I think I'm done, Dan. I, I'm out on Parker. All right. Now, hear me out here. So I've been out on Parker since probably forever. Um, I think he just didn't work well with Adam Gase. Now, I believe he stayed in Miami because of A, the coaching change, and B, because have you ever been to Miami? It's beautiful down there. <laughs> Plus, you can basically do whatever you want. It's like a different country. Um, so I think I think he's I think he's still a decent football player. I don't think he'll ever be what everyone thought he once was going to be. Um, but I, th- I still think there's some potential there. And now with Fitzpatrick, maybe we just get a whole bunch of hospital balls and he just he catches half of his targets, gets catches like 16 touchdowns. And it's just a crazy year. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I mean, sure it is. But you know what? If I'm going to bet on a Miami wide receiver, it's not Parker. And I want to, I'm, I'm curious who you're going to say, but for me, it's not Albert Wilson either, because you know what? I'm, I'm people that don't know. I'm a diehard bears fan. I watched that game with Albert Wilson having those huge long receptions and Chicago lost because, okay, Parky missed another field goal. Okay. But it was bad tackling. The guy I'm chasing is Kenny Stills. Why doesn't Kenny Stills get respect? If anybody's going to produce in that offense, it's going to be him. That's the guy I'm chasing. Just perennially, I almost got that word out, undervalued. (laughs) Unbelievable. How does no one ever talk about Kenny Stills? He's easily the most gifted wide receiver there. He's fast. He's a great route runner. And he can catch. That's the most important part. He's, he, he catches everything, and they've got, now they're going from a wide receiver throwing it to a wide receiver to, you know, yeah, Fitzpatrick's been on about 72 actual different football teams, but he's a decent quarterback all said and done. He can get it out there, and he's great for fantasy purposes, and he likes the long ball. We saw what happened with Deshaun Jackson last year. What do you think Kenny Stills is going to do? Basically the same thing, and they're going to be losing just about every single game. So they're probably going to be having a lot, a lot, a lot of snaps and a lot of pass attempts. You can't really go wrong. Maybe maybe you can ensure that stills with a little bit of Albert Wilson uh, or maybe a little bit of Devontae Parker, but because of the price tag, it's really hard to beat Kenny Stills. Okay, let's, um, let's jump into another one. He was mentioned just a little bit earlier when we we're talking about Funches, but that is Dante Moncrief to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A uh, a once kind of fantasy Twitter darling. Everyone seemed to be on the Moncrief train. Uh, I think it had a little bit to do with those those combine numbers and and a little tiny bit of draft pedigree. What are we doing with Dante Moncrief, the the tight end <laughs> that Indianapolis wanted him to be, but he didn't want to play tight end for them, even though they treated him like one. Let me ask you this question real quick, Dan. Okay, he's been in the league for five years. How That's old? That's insane is, to me. How old is Dante Moncrief? I'm gonna say 26. He's still 25. How about that? He turns 26. How? To be fair, he turns 26. I think in uh, August 6th. But I mean, so he's on that Juju program is what he's on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Funchess is too. Funchess is really young for you know for his his draft class, and so. I mean, okay, 
Moncrief's got some things that are issues, just like Parker. He gets hurt a lot. Okay. He's not available a lot. I get that. Good athlete. Is he a good hands catcher? No. Uh, but he'll body catch and he, he could make some big plays. Um, I mean, he had, I mean, think of last year, right? I mean, Jacksonville. I mean, who knows who's catching passes there? Like everyone, like, oh, I like Westbrook, or hey, I like Keelan Cole. Like, no one has any idea what's going on in Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> he comes out of there with 668 yards, which isn't bad. But now he goes to the place you want to go to, just like we talked about with Luck and Breeze and Rogers. Now he's with Big Ben. So Antonio Brown's gone. So he's getting all those numbers, right? Okay, I'm totally kidding. Okay, he's not getting all those numbers. But I mean, James Washington is like the darling. He didn't do a whole lot last year. So now there's at least hope there. And Juju really thrives, Dan, in the slot, in my opinion. I think if they try to move him outside, he's going to get doubled. He didn't do as well on the outside last year. So keep Juju in the slot. You'll have James Washington, Mockery from the outside. But, I mean, he's he's got to have a decent shot at getting 1,000 yards, right? I don't know about a thousand yards. Yes, Pittsburgh is just kind of known for supporting two wide receivers in the history of Big Ben being there. But I, I feel like they may start to spread it around a, just a tiny, tiny bit more because of the uncertainty. Yes, they drafted Washington, and they've obviously been very, very good about drafting wide receivers. I mean, look at their track record; it's it's a mile and a half long. So, and maybe Moncrief was one of those guys that was high up on their board and. Maybe the Colts stole him. Who, who knows how that how that pattern goes? So I feel like if anyone's going to get the most out of Moncrief, it's going to be someone like Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, because now he does have that fantasy big elite upside with Big Ben. Um, but I feel like James Washington is is maybe just going to be a little bit more than a thorn in his side. I feel like I feel like Moncrief most likely is going to be third fiddle, and I, I think they get, they're going to lean on James Conner a little bit more uh, obviously, you know, last year with the injuries and whatnot at the end um, where Jalen Samuels took over. And I still think he can have a little bit of a role in that offense. Plus now you have, you have Vance McDonald with no Jesse James in the picture and Vance showed out pretty well last year as well. And I, I think, I think they, they just, maybe they have the, the full board of assets now where at, at the end of Ben's career, they just kind of start more dinking and dunking, slowing it down a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to, speculate on trends or anything like that i just feel like there would be it would be probably better for their offense to get everybody more involved they've got you've still got really strong assets obviously you don't have antonio brown anymore but you do have juju smith smith schuster who yes he absolutely needs to stay in the slot if they move him outside they're going to do themselves a huge disservice by maybe moving moncrief to the slot i don't know if that would be the plan there or maybe maybe splitting Vance out wide a little bit more. I, I have no idea what that would even look like if they tried to move Juju out um, because he absolutely dominates inside. There's, I, I mean, not really anybody in the league right now that can do what he does inside. So I, I think I think we see a little bit from Moncrief. I think he does more than he did last year, but I don't, I, I'm not entirely convinced that he sees the sheer volume he saw and what was his sophomore year? He had like a hundred and some targets. I think, yeah, you know, he was, yeah. Okay. So he was, he was a little bit more efficient with his catches last year in Jacksonville. You know, it, his, how does his that work? Catch, first off, 
<laughs> yeah, who would have thought that, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. But you know, when you just, just kind of huck it up there, you know, right? If you if that's that's a true 50 50 right there, blowing, right. Blowing, what was he like half of his 90 targets? Yeah, and you, you know what? I, th- I think I'll, I'll back off of that. I think you're right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because I also forgot about Switzer too, who I really like Switzer in this lot. You know, maybe it's maybe it's 850, 800 yards, somewhere in there. But I think that he could be a decent guy that's like that spot starter. That, I mean, he's dirt cheap right now. People don't care about him. But if there's one guy I'm buying in Pittsburgh, it's Vance McDonald, who you said. I mean, because tight end is like a complete wasteland right now. I mean, Vance gets hurt all the time. We we know that. But Bell's gone. Brown's gone. Jesse James is gone. I mean, there's targets to be had. And I, I right now, Dan, if I don't have Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, I'm struggling at tight end. So I'm trying to throw dart, you know, lotto tickets everywhere. And Vance, I think, is a good one. And that's, you know, throwing the darts at tight end, um, not to shift gears too much, but throwing darts at tight end, you're you're a lot better off throwing darts at guys like that than going for athletic upside, you know, new and fresh and sexy, maybe rookies that were, you know, the fourth or fifth tight end off the board or something like that. Those are the type of darts you want a piece of that off. And it's just like we talked about before. When you have a pie like that, you got you got to get yourself a slice. And I think Vance Vance is is gonna be in for a good season. And it's hard to disagree with Moncrief having some some real fantasy upside. I just don't know about his dynasty upside. I think that's my, I think that's kind of my my little bugaboo right there. Is I think he has a nice 2019 season, but then I think it just kind of goes downhill. That's fair. So. Talking about pie though, what's your favorite kind of pie? Uh, probably banana cream. Just because if you're gonna get calories, if you're gonna have calories, have as many as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. I'll give you that. <laughs> just go for the just straight for the most unhealthy. And you're yeah, good. yeah, clog my arteries. <laughs> I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down in style. There's nothing, uh, nothing you can do about that one. All right, so we are. Uh, we're approaching halfway. Let's let's hit on one more, and then we'll dive into uh, rookie or the vet. This one's kind of uh, this one's kind of funny for me. So we've got two late risers in college that flew up draft boards that became super relevant in dynasty rookie drafts that both just found new homes. We have Brashad Perriman and Kevin White. Perriman in Tampa Bay, White in Arizona. New homes, new outlooks on life, coming in with a fresh mindset, back to those really way too high rookie ADPs and rookie drafts. <laughs> what do we do with these two? Are these guys worth an end of bench spot? Is this way beyond anything for you? Or are these two landing spots that are a little bit sneaky for these kind of guys? Oh, I mean, one of those hits home because, I mean, as a Bears fan, I, 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 <laughs> didn't invest a lot in Kevin White and Dynasty, but I invest a lot of time like researching him. And you know, he's a hardworking guy. And it, I mean, he used to have bad injuries. And you know, Perriman was hurt a lot too. And you know, his receding hairline was terrible. But you know, you, you, you hope for guys, you know. But last year Perriman gave me a little bit of hope. So if there's between those two, I think there's more opportunity for White in that Cardinals offense. But Perriman showed hope in Cleveland when nobody gave him hope. And he re-signed there. And after OBJ trade, he said, hey, listen, I want out of this. And they were like, okay. They granted it to him. He goes to Tampa. And here's the thing with Tampa, Dan. Everyone wants to go to Chris Godwin and OJ Howard, and they're going to get all the extra targets that are gone. 
I mean, that's not necessarily the case. I think Mike Evans is going to get a little bit of pie, but there's also a spot there for somebody. So I think if I had to invest in anyone there for a shot for, you know, again, not an everyday starter or every week starter, it's going to be a spot thing. It'd be uh Brashad Perryman. Is it, is it in, for, for, in your opinion, is it in the realm of possibilities that we see a Tampa Bay Deshaun Jackson type season from Perryman? Is that in the list of potential outcomes? Do you think? I mean, I know that there's always a chance, but I'm still going to say 0%. Yeah, I'm right around zero as well. I think, <laughs> I think I think maybe just a slight little tick on there that you know you can barely see when looking at it. But yeah, I mean, these guys in in, in when they were drafted, I was like, why are people drafting these guys, and why are they drafting them so highly? Uh, and now I'm like, eh, maybe worth an end of bench spot on a team that maybe has 30 roster spots or whatever it is. Definitely worth the spot there if if you can just kind of stash and hang for hope. Maybe they have one big game and one of those truthers comes out of the woods and wants one back. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it happens. Uh, so for me, these guys are both just kind of end of bench stashes. If I had to pick one, I think I'm going to kind of side with you here and go Perriman. I think he showed out just a little tiny bit in Cleveland last year. Once Baker kind of started to get the feel of things and, and that offense started to roll a little bit more. We saw Perriman get a little more involved even on occasion, a little more involved than Antonio Callaway did, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, we saw Perriman thrive in, in some of those uh, in some of those deeper routes and in big plays, big splash plays, which was fun. That's what he was supposed to be, and all of a sudden we see it a little bit. So I think if either of these guys is going to have a any amount of success, it's going to be Brashad Perriman. Um, and honestly, it'd be really cool to see because going from absolute just a peak of at during rookie draft season when it was his when it was his time to the absolute bottom of the valley <laughs> when you know when his his ravens career kind of took a turn and now he's kind of on a little bit of more of an uptick so we'll see how that one goes all right before we get into rookie or the vet i'd like to tell everybody about uh, our good friends over at the ffpc so yes it is the off season um for some of you, but if you're here for dynasty, so it's not really the off season for you, but for the generic fantasy football fan, it is the off season. And, uh, our listeners, uh, like I just mentioned, aren't, aren't off season because they're over playing at the FFPC. If you're diehard, who's ready to draft. Now the FFPC best ball leagues are already open for the 2019 season. Obviously they've been open for a little while, uh, but drafts are forming daily and they start at just $35. So obviously you guys are fans of the dynasty format. Well, guess what? They have those too. They have become the go-to destination for serious dynasty players. They now have almost 300 active dynasty leagues, and I think they actually just surpassed 300. They started at just 77 and even have a $5,000 uh, entry league, uh, entry fee league. And Nick, if you want to spot me for that one, uh, we'll, we'll definitely dive in. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but the best part is, uh, of all of this, not a single league of their in their dynasty uh, portion has folded in nine years. That's insane. We see leagues fold all the time. They haven't one fold in nine years. There are some limited uh, orphan teams available as well for purchase, so go check that out. Uh, make sure you go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, now that we've got the ads out of the way, like I said before, we aren't going to have Nathan's beautiful singing. 
Uh, I'm not even going to attempt it because I don't think I can hit that note. But it is time for Rookie or the Vet Combine Risers Edition. So we're going to go position by position. Each of these rookies uh, have a corresponding vet that in ADP is very close, if not in a locked tie with them. So we are going to start at quarterback, and we are going to look at Combine Riser. And I think he was a riser only because people found out that he wasn't three and a half feet tall. And that's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma. Uh, big, big uptick in his value when we got to see that he was Russell Wilson size. Who would have thought? He still looks like he's about four feet tall when he's standing next to anybody else. But how are we feeling about Kyler right now? And uh, once we get through the Kyler portion, we need to talk about the vet he's closest related to, and that's Sam Darnold. So at the end, we'll pick one or the other. But let's hear about Kyler Murray for a little bit here. Um, so I over at Fanium, if people want to check it out, all my quarterback rankings are there. It's all free. Right now, Kyler Murray's number one for me, Dan. I, I love Kyler Murray. And I like him more from a fantasy football perspective because as we know with, and again, I was a Bears fan, Mr. Trubisky, or as one of the only Josh Allen truthers that are out there, that if you can run, you give such an advantage in your fantasy football production every week. Kyler Murray, while he can run and make huge plays, he's also smart. He'll get down, but his threat with running the football not only helps him with fantasy production rushing, it stops pass rush. You're, you don't want to flush him out of the pocket because you're really going to pay for it. And people underrate this. They think that he's only a runner or like he's like a Lamar Jackson, who I don't like, by the way. Kyler Murray has great arm talent. The thing he doesn't have, and I'm not going to talk about size because I don't really care. He finds holes. He finds windows. You know, he he manip- manipulates defenses and toys with them. He doesn't have experience. That's the only thing. He's only started for one year and three games at Texas A&M a long time ago before he transferred to Oklahoma. So, if he gets more time, Dan, I think that he's going to settle down a lot more. He He's kind of exactly what you want for a fantasy quarterback. And also that he loves to take chances. He likes to win games. He likes to make the big throws. He's not Dwayne Haskins where he's like, check down, check down, Alex Smith City. He likes to make big time throws. And so if you have those weapons, he really can put up some big fantasy points. So, and this is dynasty. This is about fantasy. You want guys that can produce. Kyler Murray really can produce. I like it. How do you feel in a one-to-one, gun to the head, Kyler Murray or Sam Darnold today? Oh, Kyler Murray. And it's hands down. I, I was Sam Darnold was my QB4 last year, so you know, I was a little bit more down on him. And he improved, I think, at the end of last year. He got better, a little more consistent. But he doesn't have the same upside because he can't run. I don't think he has the same arm talent. I, I like that Darnold can throw from multiple platforms off his back foot and be accurate. That's That's fun, but... He doesn't have the same talent that Murray does. Now, if Murray plays baseball or football, that's the, that's the other conversation. You hope he sticks to football now. But I, I would go with Murray. Who would you go with? I'm fully on board with Murray as well. Uh, he's he was kind of it was kind of a, a nice a nice surprise. I think I think people had that expectation that he was going to kind of be the next big thing. But hey, he's going to go play baseball because he'd already committed to go play baseball. And now we get to see you know, kind of all of this come to fruition with him choosing football. It seems finally, it seems like he's fully on board. Now we don't know until draft day comes and maybe he pulls the Eli, Hey, I'm not going to play there or what, you know, it's one of those types of things could happen. We never know. Uh, I don't know 
about his personality from that perspective. You know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to speculate on that type of stuff, but from a fantasy perspective, I don't think I could, I, I don't think I can say it any better than you said it. The upside and, you know, the amount of fantasy points for potential right there, it's, it's unbelievable because of his legs, because of his ability as an in the pocket quarterback. And now, yes, maybe because he's a little bit shorter than a lot of quarterbacks, you have to roll him out a little bit more. That doesn't make, that doesn't make him necessarily an all running quarterback. Does it help that he's a very good scrambling quarterback? Absolutely. It helps because like you mentioned, there's a lot of fantasy points involved with basically having free running back, uh, you know, a small, a small sliver of a running back attached to your quarterback every single week. Congratulations. You win because you drafted a running quarterback. You absolutely need these guys. I think they still go undervalued. Yes. They may take a few more hits here and there because they're getting down the field, but that's not always true. You know, some of these pocket passers are getting sacked at just insane rates. You know, you look at guys, you know, you way throw back. You could look at like David Carr. Yes, he didn't have the greatest protection, but my God, he got hit so many times, just constantly. And looking at some of these pocket guys, they're able to get away from those, you know, those those pass rushers um, a little bit easier, or or even if you can just get one more step out of the way, so you're getting shoved instead of full hit. That's important especially the guy his size. You need to be able to move around, be mobile. And like you said, I'm not worried about his size. I, I just, you know, there's always that that aspect of it that kind of sticks in the back of your mind like, all right, he's a little bit small. Maybe don't get hit a bunch. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't go sliding head first anywhere. Maybe don't lower your shoulder and try to run through anybody uh, because we've seen that with some of these running quarterbacks. And, and while it's fun from our perspective to see, wow, that guy's really into it. He's a gamer. He lowered his shoulder and tried to run through that guy. It's like, whoa, 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 no, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board with Kyler here. He's definitely my quarterback one in this class as well. Um, and like you said, I think Darnold has definitely got, got a little uptick from last year. And, and we'll see how they continue to build that offense around around him and obviously Le'Veon Bell now. So we'll see if he catches up a little bit, but I'm definitely on board with Kyler Murray. Uh, let's slide over to running back. And both of these guys for me are pretty consistently kind of under the radar. And the, we'll start with the rookie here who I'm surprised didn't get more coverage at how great his combine performance was considering the lack of, of RB upside in this class. And that's Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Uh, his ADP twin, uh, or you know, while we're choosing here, uh, is as low as Ito Smith right now. And while it's low, I also like Ito Smith. I think there's some real upside there in Atlanta. So, Nick, walk us through a little bit of Justice Hill. How are we feeling about his future and, and his potential uprising here? Yeah, kind of like with what you're saying, I think he's underrated in terms of maybe just as a player and, and his combine performance. I mean, t today, as we're recording, was the Joshua Jacobs, bah, 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 just, <laughs> you know, sad pro day, which I had a little fun with some people on Twitter who didn't like it when you're truthers. But, you know, he, I mean, he ran a 4-4 four, four flat, and, and when you watch him play, he is that fast. So, you know, honestly, I don't care as much about the numbers. I care what, what I see on film, and that just, you know, that kind of justifies, yep, he is that fast. Um, but all of his other numbers were pretty good too. I think the thing I don't like with his game is I think he can be a, a committee guy, but he doesn't cut well and avoid as well as I want him to. 
And so, you know, that takes him away from, you know, the next Chris Johnson and whatever else and turns him into more of just that committee guy that can, they can do some spot things and maybe a spot season here or there. But I don't think that long term is there because whether people want to admit it or not, or I guess this is, I shouldn't say that something that I've grown in in my scouting, Dan, is that I really value guys that can avoid defenders and avoid big hits. Because I think that's really important because you can't outrun everyone in the NFL, but you can make people miss and make defenders take poor angles, things like that. And that's what I do think someone like Ito Smith does. Ito Smith is just amazing. Make people people miss small school last year, but he flashed at Atlanta. And if I had to make a choice between the two, I probably would go with Ito Smith. And I think because, one, I do like him. You know, I like both guys, but I like his landing spot. And part of that is I don't trust Devontae Freeman to stay healthy for a full season. So with Tevin Coleman gone and Freeman maybe getting injured, man, he can catch the ball, make people miss. That's a great backfield to have a big pie from. He'll have more of a pie this year, you know, because uh, Tevin Coleman's gone. But now Freeman gets hurt man, what could really happen there? So, you know, that, that'd be another three years in that offense. That's kind of got me excited. Yeah, I think I think the questions about Devonta Freeman staying healthy, the concussions, et cetera. Uh, and like you said, Tevin Coleman moving on. I think that's a that's a huge window for Edo Smith to pick up a good amount of work in an offense that can support uh, at least one running back. It's shown to be able to, to you know, to hold up two. So I think I think Ito would also be my choice here, but that doesn't mean that I dislike Justice Hill. I think both of these guys are just a little bit too low right now, uh, pretty much across the board. I think I think Justice, like you mentioned, can be he can be a, a good committee back, but I also think he can be more of that lead in the committee rather than the secondary the secondary option. I I, I think he's got enough there where he could work. He could work in a place like Tampa with all of the things they have going on and and be able to produce kind of right out of the shoot. Um, maybe Ronald Jones hits and you have that one two punch, a little uh, a little bit of speed uh, involved there. Or maybe you look to to put him with someone a little more shifty, um, you know, somewhere where he would have fit in nice, in my opinion, was like San Francisco. But now with Tevin going there, I feel like that's a that's obviously a no, no. Um, but I feel like he would have he would have kind of mixed really nicely with Brita and McKinnon. So I don't know. I it's a it's a waiting game. Knowing where Ito is, I think Atlanta makes this decision pretty easy. Uh, but we'll see where where Justice goes. Maybe maybe Justice gets himself a nice spot, and we reconsider uh, here in about a month. So uh, I think yeah, I think I'm with you with Ito there. This one's going to be interesting. This one is uh, at the wide receiver position. I don't think we can argue who uh, gained the most value during the combine with DK Metcalf. Uh, maybe you could put Akeem Butler in that conversation because it became to the point where there was a lot of people that didn't even know who Akeem Butler was. And because of the combine, we learned about him. Um, so this is DK Metcalf as your rookie and your vet is DJ Moore. So uh, this, this one for me is, is difficult. These are two players I, I like quite a bit. Uh, I was, relatively high on DJ Moore uh, in comparison to the masses last year and DK I've been on since I, since his name came across the board at two, four, seven. Um, it, it's his, his combine was insane. Yes. He probably should have avoided those agility drills, 
but the 40 time, the size, the jumps, all of that stuff pointed to just an incredible athlete. And maybe he's just an incredible athlete. Uh, I think he's a little bit more though. Where are you at with DK at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think you people really need to know know about his story a little bit more. I mean, he was my second ranked wide receiver coming out of high school, so I've been high on him. You know, his first two college games, he caught a touchdown each game, and then he got hurt. And then he comes back, you know, decent, not great sophomore year, and then pretty good junior year, then gets hurt again. And you got to look at the quarterbacks at Ole Miss. They were bad. All they were bad. Go watch film. And I'm not saying highlights. Go watch film. And you see those guys running around. They can't chuck the ball deep. The reason A.J. Brown got so many catches, who I'm a big A.J. Brown fan, by the way, is they just throw short passes because they don't have the arm and they're scrambling around. So I think that the numbers, you know, the the stats people don't really get the true picture of what's going on at Ole Miss. But are there flaws to DK's game? Sure there are. He's not a finished product. There are some things that he does really, really well. Really, really good athlete. Um, I don't know that he on the field. I see a four-three-three. Um, I see a good athlete. Um, you know, but you know, it's nice to see that those testing numbers. I wish he would play a little bit more physical, Dan. I wish that he would be a better route runner. Um, you know, because if you're going to be a beast, you know, those, those those shredded pictures that he has that you know, 0.25 body fat percentage, whatever we want to fake it up to be. You can't be 1.5, by the way. But anyway, 100% you know, muscle. He, he's, he's got out muscle guys. You know what I mean? You're the, you're Hulk. You know what I mean? You got to smash out there. And he didn't do enough of that in my opinion, but DJ Moore, I wasn't a fan of DJ Moore last year. So this is really tough for me to pick one of these guys. I think the tough part is when I go through these is that I know the landing spot. And I know DJ Moore doesn't have to do with Funches anymore. I know he got more targets than I thought he would get last year at Carolina. So I think I'm going to side with DJ Moore here, which is tough because, again, my bias would say anti-DJ Moore. But I think that's the way I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't really argue with – I honestly don't think you can argue with either side here. I know a lot of people would say absolutely DJ Moore because of the production, because of the, you know, the, the late season kind of boom – um, we saw him truly break out and that was really cool to see. And I think it's sky's the limit for DJ Moore. But looking at the other side here with DK Metcalf, this this is a guy who honestly, uh, I mean, he's got the most potential of any player since I don't mean, Calvin Johnson, honestly. You know, we knew what Julio was when Julio came out. We knew what guys like AJ Green were when they came out. Well, you know, that that's draft year. But as great as Calvin was in, in college, I guess it's not a great example because we kind of knew Calvin was going to be great. I don't think we've got anyone that's ever had this much potential coming out in a while. Uh, he's, he's all of the athlete you could want. Like you said, you don't really see that four, three speed on the field, but you also don't really see him that rigid on the field either. Uh, I don't see the super, super stiff hips running those routes. Yes. He's definitely still stiff, but he doesn't look like he's waddling like he kind of did in that 40. That that 40 time was just flat out straight line, get it there from get from point A to point B as fast as you possibly can. That that's not his normal running stride. At least to me, it didn't look that way. He doesn't look awkward when he's out on the field. Um, and like you said, context 100 percent matters in all of this. Yes, stats guys, we get it. His his stats weren't all that great. You need to look dig a little bit deeper. <laughs> 
go <laughs> go figure out what's actually going on at Ole Miss. Uh, I, I think I think the injuries uh, really, really, really brought him down uh, from a value uh, standpoint because if he's got one season where he really blows up, one huge breakout season, I think we're talking about an undisputed 101 in any format. I think you're talking about a top five NFL draft pick, uh, but he didn't have that. You know, he had a little bit of a breakout, but it wasn't a true like elite player breakout. And that's that's a little bit worrisome, but also we can kind of point towards the injuries. Uh, and yes, that's kind of a, that becomes another scare then because, well, if he can't produce because of injuries, maybe he's got the injury issue, uh, which I don't like to point to, especially now coming out of college. Uh, it doesn't seem like anything's chronic at this point, which is a little you know, a little optimism at least. Um, but going from horrible quarterbacking to, well, hopefully he gets an NFL quarterback. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't land in, in, in just an awful spot, but we'll kind of see how it goes. I, I, I'm curious to see the landing spot. I think the upside is unmatched at this point, but I also think the floor is pretty darn low. I wouldn't say it's, it's the lowest, but it's down there because all we know is this guy's an incredible athlete with a limited production profile um, who was outproduced by AJ Brown, who is also a very, very good player. But like you mentioned, it's a, they were, he was catching dink and dunk passes. DK Metcalf was a down the field threat. He's, he's, he's a true wide receiver one that still learning how to play football. He's still learning how to be that wide receiver one. So I think, I think because of potential, he's right, right, right there. He's my one-on-one in rookie drafts, but I think I'm still taking DJ Moore over the 101 right now. I think he's worth just a little bit more. So, uh, again, I think we signed on the same side there, but I think there's so much potential with DK. Yeah, just a couple of things. I mean, you were saying like the floor is low, and there's just some things that have to change for me. I talked about the physicality, but you know, for people that watch film or if you don't really watch film, I mean, here's a couple of things that I saw that I think would be beneficial as you want to go through some games and see um he dropped a few passes that i thought were very catchable and for a guy with a big catch radius if it goes through your hands or hits your hands that that's concerning for me and that's not one pass that's multiple passes that i saw that i'm like mm, maybe it's the hands aren't as reliable as i thought they were can he make those outstanding catches which he did he won game winning or he made game winning receptions in the end zone those are awesome but if you don't catch those routine passes i'm a little worried but the other thing is that he hesitates so sure, he catches the deep passes, and the thing off of the deep passes is that hitch route or that comeback route. So the corner's bailing because you got that 4-3 speed, and he catches the short pass. He catches, and he, then he turns around, and then he hesitates. He doesn't catch and go. You see A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's aggressive mindset, you know, switching from receiver to runner, and D.K. doesn't have that. So a little bit of that hesitation and all of those traits, you know, the route running, the physicality, makes me wonder if he's a little bit more athlete than a receiver at this point. Can it come together as Dan's saying? Sure it can, but it's not there right now. And for that unsuredness or, you know, uneasiness, uh, I'd rather go with DJ Moore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the absolute hitting, hitting, you know, hitting it right on the head. Um, just pure, pure, honestly, pure upside at this point. Um, I just, I don't, like I said before, I don't think I've seen anything that comes close to the amount of upside we're seeing here. So. Um, yeah, if you, if you're looking for the ultimate dart throw, that's the ultimate dart throw <laughs> right there. Uh, okay. We'll move on to our final position, uh, here in the rookie, uh, or the vet. And we'll be talking about tight ends. Noah Fant from Iowa 
and Eric Ebron of the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, Ebron had a massive season last year, catching all sorts of touchdowns. And Noah Fant has seemingly been on the radar for a little while now. Um, but it, for a little while there, it seemed like TJ Hawkinson was kind of stealing the limelight a little bit as more of the complete tight end, kind of how we were with the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku season. Now we've got two guys from the same school, mind you, um, that seem to be really, really high end. But for now, we could talk a little bit of Hawkinson as well. But for now, we'll talk about Noah Fant. Uh, Nick, how are you feeling about Noah Fant, uh, and especially in relation to Eric Ebron uh, in a value standpoint? Yeah, isn't that insane? I mean, two, the, the best two tight end prospects are yeah. from the same school. Like, I've, I've never even heard of that before. Like, that's just, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Auburn back in the day when they had Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. You know, it's like, man, what's going on? You know, like, you're, you're cheating. Actually, here's a little trivia thing, too. They also had Brandon Jacobs at the same time. Because uh, this is Wait, the year what? Be- yeah, so the, so the year before I got, because I coached at Western Kentucky, for some people that don't know a lot of my, my, my about my background, but um, the year before I got there, they played Auburn, and they had Brandon Jacobs, Ronnie Brown, and Cadillac Williams. Dear God. Imagine so that. Dude. So they were Georgia before Georgia was Georgia. Right, right, yeah. So, Got But it. anyway, so, I mean, no offense, um, is a more athlete than tight end at this point, and, and Hawkinson is he's just everything that you want in a tight end, just not the upside that no offense is. So, I mean, this is combine risers. Fant was phenomenal. He ran a 4-5. I mean, that that's nuts. better than – Tons of the receivers, tons of the running backs that you see. Um, the other jump numbers, they're all there. His size is there. And you can see it. When he wants to hit the gas, for a man that size, you're like, that's not fair. It's like Montez Sweat out there. You're going to be like, man, look at that guy. How can he do that? You know. Um, but the small things, the route running, hops into routes, doesn't press uh, a defender's leverage to get them to turn their hips at all. He's learning lots of those things, but he's flexible. He can go to the ground to make catches. His catch race, he can adjust, you know, his body, um, you know, to, to, to come down with the reception. Maybe he won't stand his feet, but at least he comes down with it. After the catch, if it's a straight line, he's good. Juking, not as well. But um, in terms of, you know, and honestly, if you want to look at a real comparison here, Dan, DK Metcalf and Noah Fant are pretty similar. Yeah. Raw. Phenomenal athlete, got the size, straight line, everything's great. Everything else is kind of up in the air. But I do like, I think Fant can adjust a little bit better to passes than Metcalf. Um, but then you have Ebron, who basically it's Chris Carter, right? Like all he does is catch touchdowns. Like it was insane <laughs> last year. You're like, he caught how many more touchdowns? Like every week. I was like, this is how did I get this guy wrong? Like I kept thinking, Dan, like, what? I'm bad at fantasy. You're like, I was wrong on Ebron, you know. Um, but that's a great landing spot, as we know. Um, I actually have Hawkinson as my wide or my tight end one, but I think in this one, this is a, a dynasty conversation. In dynasty, moving forward, I would rather have Noah Fant than Ebron because I think Ebron was in a great situation. Doyle was hurt. They know the wide receiver too. Mac and those backs were all young. I think that this year he's not going to get all those touchdowns. He's not going to get – I mean, the touchdown rate is not going to happen again, okay? It's just not. I'm going to bet right now, not happening, okay? So I would go with Fant because the upside's there. If he learns a little bit, I think – I mean, the floor is going to be – he's a phenomenal athlete, and who's going to catch up with him? The the ceiling is he's going to be tight end one. So I think I'm, I'd rather go with Fant because I think Ebron was just in a perfect situation last year. It's not going to happen again. 
Yeah, that's again tough to argue with. And and uh, earlier in the show, we had the surprising age talk. Well, Eric Ebron's still just twenty five as well, and going into his sixth season. Yes, he'll be twenty six this year, but still going into your sixth season, that's insane. That's 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 not right. Um, we've seen all sorts of these. You know, if you're ever on Twitter uh, and you follow the uh, the the team Ebron folks, uh, TJ Calkins uh, and Pat Thorman, I believe. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Rich Rebar. Uh, I always forget. I always get those guys all mixed up. But they're all Team Ebron. Uh, we've seen all of the um, Pro Football Reference posts that show Ebron with like four Hall of Famers and guys that have done things before the age of twenty four and stuff like that. So it's like you get that in your mind and you feel like because of that age group and because of the production we've seen, it's insane to not have Ebron up so much higher than we do. But Detroit held him down for five years. I mean, he was bad in Detroit. Yes, we saw Sparks. He still produced. But that team, man, <laughs> they just dragged him down. And then last year, we finally got to see what he really could do. Yes, like you said, optimal situation. You know, the normal tight end that was going to be there, Jack Doyle, who had produced really, really nicely in, in a previous season or two, was out. And pretty much all you had to fight with was T.Y. Hilton. And when Andrew Luck's back there, like we said earlier in the show, slinging it 60 times a game, someone's got to catch him. And thankfully, it was it was Ebron a lot of the time and only 13 touchdowns later. Uh, yes, I'm fully on board with the, with the touchdowns dropping. Uh, I think there's only something like nine tight ends ever. Uh, maybe it's more than that, but I think I've looked it up at some point. Uh, tight ends ever that have had two multi-touch or double-digit touchdown seasons uh, ever. So, and like three of them have like 10. It was like Antonio Gates and, uh, <laughs> you know, Tony Gonzalez and guys like that. So again, we're talking about elite company when even considering another double-digit touchdown season. But I don't think it gets back. I still think it's an optimal situation for one more year. Um, maybe he's going to start looking for a new contract, maybe wanting more money. And maybe Indy has to move on because of that. Because after next season, they can cut him without any any hurt to them. They have an out. So um, going over to Noah Fant, like you said, this is this is tight end DK Metcalf. Uh, this this guy is insane. He's got all of that. I think he's got a higher floor. I think I think you know if if tight end was a premium position, he would be in consideration for a one hundred one because of his potential. Uh, unfortunately, tight end isn't a premium position, uh, and it's an actual dumpster fire. So <laughs> we we have to devalue a little bit in that standpoint. But thankfully, we're going tight end versus tight end here. So yeah, no offense, uh, ultimate athlete, like Nick said. Uh, I really can't argue with any of the things you said about him because they are all very, very accurate. Uh, I think I have them 1A, 1B uh, between Fant and Hawkinson. I think uh, obviously Hawkinson is the complete player. This is just, like I said before, this is just like uh, a couple years ago with OJ Howard and, and David Njoku and Evan Ingram. Um, I see, you know, I see a lot of OJ Howard and TJ Hawkinson. And then I see more of the project explosive athlete fan because that's the obvious comparison. Um, but he seems like next level uh, of those guys. I feel like we have uh, a potentially elite tight end here with, again, just like DK, all of the upside in the universe. We just, we need to see a solid landing spot. We need to see um, we need to see some of some of that of that floor. Some of those issues come up a little bit. 
and I think we see that ceiling at some point because he is a pretty darn incredible athlete. Um, I see a, a slight amount of Jordan Reed there. Um, maybe uh, like an athletic Jordan Reed, which is pretty crazy because Jordan Reed's pretty athletic. Um, but a lot of those types of things, uh, like you said before, he can go down and get it. He's he's bendy. He can kind of make all those types of catches. Uh, route running will, you know, we can learn route running. That's that's not an end-all be-all right there. That's something you can absolutely learn as you move forward. So I think, I think because of the tight end position and the points I'd rather have than wait for, I think I'm going Ebron. But a lot like Hawkinson, it might be like a 1A, 1B thing where these guys are truthfully very neck and neck. And it could end up that Fant gets a premium landing spot and then we switch. And now it becomes Fant over Ebron. And then for future, obviously, it's going to be Fant way over Ebron, even though they're only a few years separated because Ebron is still so young and has that big production profile. Uh, I think that's his biggest benefactor is that production profile to to go on with his age. But yeah, I think, I think we're in for a treat with Fant. Okay. So now that uh, you all have listened to Nick and I uh, babble for, well, almost an hour now, which is pretty darn good for us. No third wheel to keep us down. We just, we just keep on rolling. We get the, we get the lovely breakdowns on each player from Nick. And then you just listen to me mumble. I mean, how do you beat that? You really, you oh, really come on, man. Can. give yourself more credit than that. No, I would never. People people know what to expect when they come here, Nick. Like like we talked about pre-show, they come here to be entertained. They they don't come here to win their dynasty. Well, maybe they win a little bit of dynasty leagues, but not all of them. Definitely not all of them. So, Nick, again, I want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, this one was a little bit last second. You came through clutch and killed it. Well, thanks, man. I mean, as, as I said pre-show, I mean it's uh, it's been a long time since I've I've, I've talked with you I and mean, we've we've met, and uh, I just kind of wanted to to hang out with you. And I guess we recorded a podcast in the meantime. Hopefully, someone finds something useful out of this. Oh, I'm sure they will. You were here, so something has to be useful. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> and again, like we talked about, make sure you go check out all of Nick's stuff at fanium.com. That includes the Debra report. Which, if you haven't picked up the Debra report yet. Yeah, maybe your dev reports passed, but you need to know about those future classes, you clowns. Go get out there and pick that thing up. Dig through it. What the heck? Uh, and also on Twitter, because Nick, like me, is on Twitter quite often, um, posting just just goodness, just just gold all the time. I mean, come on. All right, folks. That is going to do it uh, for myself, for un- unfortunately Nathan and Eric, who could not be here, and for my good pal Nick. We will see you all next week. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.